0: Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, this is Greg Stanley with the Collector Car Podcast. I got a cool guest today, Dale Oates. Dale, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, good. Now, we met at a friend's Cars and Coffee, and uh, you drove up in something real special. What can you tell me about the car you drove up in?
1: Uh, it's basically a, a Garage Find 1967 GT500 Shelby that has been was formerly a, a drag car and then sat for quite a long time. I think I stopped running it in 79 or 80. Wow. And it just sat and had boxes stacked on top of it and lumber and everything else.
0: Now, how'd you find out about that car? Oh, uh, I
1: actually transported it for a friend of a friend, and it was told to me that it was a Mustang, and I got there. And to my surprise, it was one of my cars that I've wanted all my life, and it was a 67 <laughs> GT500 Shelby. <laughs>
0: I will have to say, I think the 67 is the coolest Shelby. you got the dual quads, right? The only year they had that on the 428,
1: right? Yep, yep. Dual four barrels and the early inboard headlight car.
0: Yeah, tell that, a little bit about that to our listeners because I'm a big Shelby fan, so I know what that is, and I know that there was also what, the, the side marker light on the back and a couple other things, but what's so special yep. about the early cars?
1: Uh, the early cars, the early 350s had lights in the backs of the scoops or what they call air extractors. And those were turn signal, emergency flashers, brake lights. The um, first hundred cars had those. And the National Highway Safety Board came in and said, you cannot have a red light above the belt line of a car. Um, the cars in California actually came back. They removed the scoops and they put different scoops on. Or sometimes they'd repair them. Uh, turns out my car had a set of scoops that had lights in them originally off of a GT350 that was the same color and they just put one layer of fiberglass and filled the holes in with Bondo.
0: Wow. Okay, so the GT500s so, did not have those?
1: They did not have those, but I, I like them. I think they're neat. Um, with the car being unrestored, we just knocked out with a hammer that Bondo and fiberglass, and I put, found a set and put them in there. I just think they're kind of novel on, on the car, and you know, yeah. when I go to redo it, I'll, I'll, I will not put those on, but they're kind of a conversation piece, and they're neat.
0: What's the thought process behind having them on the 350s but not the 500s? Any idea uh, on that?
1: Because they weren't, the 500s weren't ready yet early in production.
0: Oh, wow. There you go. What's the story on the inboard lights that you went to outboard? Uh, the what? inboard
1: lights, the state of California didn't like those. Uh, they were legal across the U.S. except for California. So the first few hundred cars had those, and then the state of California was like, no, 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 you can't do this. So again, some of those cars in California got brought back and got put the outer lights, and they used up the grill and the inner light brackets until they had no more, and shipped them out to other states other than California after that point.
0: Oh wow, that's a really cool stat. Do you have any idea how many inboard fog light cars there are?
1: It's it's like the first third. Okay, I don't know that okay. I've ever heard an exact number.
0: Right. Right, okay. Now, do you have any period drag racing pictures of that car? That would be kind of
1: cool. Uh, I do not, and actually, at the last Shelby Nationals, I I ran into a guy that was friends of the former owner that had passed away of this Shelby, and his GT350 had my GT500 springs in the front of it. Oh, wow. (laughs) And there was, I guess there was... um, Five or six guys at the Norfolk base and they all had Shelby's.
0: Okay. Right.
1: So and they all kinda of hung out together and and Louis Rendelac that had my car was one of those guys.
0: Right, right, yeah. Okay. Are you gonna get those springs back?
1: Uh, no. No, I'm not worried about those
0: springs. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, we're we're talking a lot about one particular car, but you deal with a lot of different cars. Can you tell me a little bit about your business?
1: I do. Um company is Euro Classics. I've been in business since 2000, so this is our 20th anniversary.
0: Congratulations.
1: Um, done, we've done a lot of neat stuff. We work on street cars as well, but we do Porsche Club, BMW Club. We do, do a lot of prep and, and work for those guys. And as well as regular street cars, and, you know, we do a one restoration at a time, currently working on a 503 BMW that I've had for quite a while. It's really hard to get parts for.
0: I was about to say, a 503, what year would that be? That's
1: uh, a 1957, and the engine transmission rear end is the same that's in a 507, but the 503 was more of a touring car and less of a okay. sports car.
0: Right, right, yeah. So you're trying to track sound down some pretty rare stuff then. Yep. Yep. Now, what's one of the coolest cars you've done a complete restoration on? One of your favorites?
1: Boy, that'd be hard to say. I've done. I was on a run with uh, Kevin Ryan of Ryan Racing Restorations. That was originally in California, and he moved to Columbus. And when he moved to Columbus, we'd already had a relationship. Kevin is a perfectionist, so he can be be hard to hard to work with at times for some people. But me and Kevin hit it off. You know, as soon as we met and when he moved to Columbus, I started doing paint work for him and, and body work. And we had a good relationship, and, and we still do, obviously. But, you know, Kevin and I did uh, Jerry Seinfeld's 907 Short Tail. Really? Uh, we did Nick Mason's 907 Short Tail. Wow. Uh, we did a lot of work for a fellow in California that's got every year 9-11 race car and street car. So he'd have wow. the top tier street car of that year and the race car of the same year, every year 911. And then he also had other cars. You know, we did 90906001, which was actually a 904 with a six-cylinder in it. Okay. You know, and then I did several 910s. 910 9/10, actually had 910005 and 006 at my shop at one time, and then 007 came later.
0: Wow. Um, now, what? How, how did you become the go-to guy for these really rare Porsche race cars?
1: Well, we raced a, a 910. Okay. And when we started vintage racing, it, the vintage racing cars weren't, you know, as nice as really you see them today. And our car always looked really nice, and we always took really good care of it, and I just got a lot of customers. And, you know, and Kevin had a good customer base, too, so people knew me, they knew him you know and it was just a, it was just a good uh, we were a good team for quite a few years
0: yeah that's really awesome now are those uh, carrera engine cars uh yes well the the
1: 907s had six cylinders in them uh, the 910s had six cylinders in them some of them had what the last eight or seven or eight cars had eight cylinders in them
0: oh wow okay and
1: i could be off on that number but you know maybe the last 10 but
0: yeah i'm definitely not you know, up on my porsche race engines for sure. But (laughs) but the
1: 910, we ran 006, which was a two liter prototype class Le Mans winner. And you can actually see that car in the movie Le Mans several times.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Okay.
1: Now Bruce, Bruce Meyer owns the car now and it's the, it's the first car you see when you walk into Peterson Automotive Museum. So.
0: All right, Dale, now I understand that you are involved or have been involved in racing Porsches in the past. What can you tell me about that?
1: Oh uh, yeah, we ran um, Porsche Fabcar GTP lights car in the IMSA series back in the '80s. Um, actually, ended up running two of those cars. Uh, those car, the '42 car, which is Fabcar FEP001. Uh, we actually still own that car. John Higgins owns it and still actively races it. Um, it ran in the Classic 24 last fall. Um, it actually finished third in the Classic 24 in 2018, um, which was a pretty big deal because that was that was 962s and you know the Jaguar GTP cars. And
0: now is this a 901? What what fab no, car is uh, it? This is they they dubbed it the Baby
1: 962, uh, fab car out of Tucker, Georgia at the time, which is now in Indianapolis. Um, built this car. As a lights car, so it was campaigned as a GTP lights car, which was a non-turbo, and the 962s ran GTP, and were turbocharged.
0: Okay. okay.
1: So it takes the same windshield as the 962. It looks very similar as a 962. People mistake it for a 962 all the time, when in actuality, it's you know, it's
0: not. Okay. Yeah, I googled it, and I'm like, wow, that's a special car right there for sure. So it's so that one is still being raced today. Yes. Yes. Wow, okay.
1: And uh two two of the original drivers still drive the car. John Higgins is owner driver. Um he's 72. And uh you know, we run a GT3 cup car as well, but we ran you know at, at one point in the late 80s we were running or late 90s we were running the fab car RSK and the 910, and we actually did, I think, 13 vintage races in one year with those three cars.
0: Wow. Now, when you talk about a vintage race, that's what, probably a four-day commitment or something like that?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, with a with a test day, it's a four-day commitment. It's it's lots of fun, and it's a lot of guys that, that John raced with back in the day. And, you know, John was a, a very good endurance racer. Yeah. Um, not exactly the fastest guy on the track, but he was always consistent, always brought it home in one piece, and ran good fast lap times. You know, and that's what that's what endurance racing is all about.
0: Right? Yeah, and being consistent and bringing it home, you know, that in and of itself is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Yes. Okay.
1: The RSK that we vintage raced, um, that car. Um, actually at Amelia Island, I was speaking with one of the guys from Porsche Motorsports North America that does the the heritage end of it. And we were talking and I was telling him how much the car had raced. And he says, that has got to be the most raced early RS series car in the world.
0: Wow. Was that Ray Schaefer by chance? Yes. He was actually a previous guest on this podcast. He's a great guy.
1: Okay, great. And that's something, you know, we race this car and we race it a lot. And there's, you know, there's not a lot of RSKs or RS60s or RS61s out there racing, especially now. Right. And, and you know, I never just had never thought about it that way, that that car has been raced more than any other RS Series car. <laughs> we have fun doing it. And Rick Grant owns the, uh, the RSK. And, you know, people think he's a little crazy for running it. But at the end of the day, that's what those cars were built for. And that's you know that's what we do with it.
0: Right. And does that car still have the original engine? Uh, we do have the original engine with the,
1: car, and it's actually in the car now.
0: That's a really cool car. So what car has gotten away that you wish you had? Really, not not a lot. I mean, oh, I well, that's some, good. I, I
1: I like I'm a Mustang guy at heart. I like foreign cars. And, you know, I have I have some Porsches and stuff like that. And most of those are, just, you know, just some nice street cars. I've, I've still got several Mustangs and Fords.
0: So I'm a big Mustang guy as well. So tell me a little bit about your Mustangs. Are they '60s?
1: Uh, well, I have the '67 GT500. Then I've got a '79 box uh, oh, body that's a Daytona concept car. So it was a Mustang Daytona, and it was built by um, Cars and Concepts in Brighton, Michigan, wow. for the Ford Motor Company. I've got photos of it on the Design Center showroom floor and. It's kind of an ode concept of kind of like what a Mustang would look like done up like a Daytona Ferrari.
0: Wow, that it's would be amazing to see. Covered headlights,
1: covered taillights, it's got four bucket seats, it's got a console that goes through it all the way. It's all done in perforated leather. So the headliner's perforated leather has four uh, four sun visors. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's said to be the first T-top car that Ford built in the Fox bodies that i don't know i can't say that for sure but i do right. know it's a factory concept car um it's the only they built three of them the other two were really just show cars they were just shells and then this is the only one that ran
0: now is that a four cylinder in there no it's
1: a five two two barrel five liter it's the first year okay. for the updated five liter engine opposed to the 302 windsor
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. What other uh, cool cars you got in your collection there? Uh, like I've got imagine? a
1: 2012 Boss 302 um, Laguna Seca edition, and that's wow. a, that car's a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of, a, you know, the GT3 RS of the Fords.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah.
1: But the uh, I've got a 19... 36 Auburn Boat Tail Speedster. That's a fiberglass replica that me and my father built together, and it's got a 429 Cobra Jet in it with a custom <laughs> supercharger on it.
0: Really? So what yeah. kind of horsepower are you pushing uh, out with that
1: Auburn? That, that okay. car's about 485 horsepower.
0: Wow, that's got to sound a little odd looking at that uh, thing and then hearing it fire up. It sounds really up. good. It looks—it's <laughs> a stunning
1: car to begin with, and I've done a lot to it to make it look like like more like an original Cord than you know, what a lot of the reproductions look like.
0: Right, right. Now, have you seen any, based on the cars that are passing through your shop, any changes to the collector car marketplace? Are you seeing some new cars being restored that, you know, you 10 know, years ago? I,
1: you know, well, you, as all of us know, those Asian cars, you know, yep. the the Z cars and NSXs and, I mean, 80s and 90s cars are doing well, you know, and they're, and they're just up and coming, you know? Yeah,
0: generational shift for sure. Yep going on wow well that's really awesome now what would you buy if i gave you a hundred thousand dollars what kind of cool cars would you buy or car would you buy with a hundred grand
1: boy that's hard to say uh first thing in my mind comes is uh the new gt500 shelby
0: yeah that's pretty sweet that's about a hundred grand all in right
1: yeah that's a that's a lot of that's that would be track pack and carbon edition at the hundred thousand dollar
0: mark so right yeah, no, that that's a great answer. <laughs>
1: and I have contemplated selling a couple cars and buying one of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always that option for sure. Well, cool, man. Well, one thing I like to do at the end of this, I think I gave you a heads up. Hopefully I did. Uh, I play a little game called Keep, Cash, and Crush. So I give you three cars, and you have to tell me which one you want to keep forever, which one you want to cash in, and which one you want to crush. And so all right. I did not, for some reason, I, I knew you had the Shelby, but I didn't. Put together the dots about being a Mustang guy. So I went by your...
1: i got a couple Torinos too, but...
0: Okay, well, (laughs) I went by the name of your shop, Euro Classics, and I picked three classic European cars, all right? All right. So I went kind of a deep cut on this one. So the first one's a 1961 Jaguar E-Type, the Series 1 with a 3.8.
1: Okay.
0: Let's figure these are all drivers. Keep it, they're all drivers. Now, is
1: that a, a Church Key Nose... Weldon Luver's car?
0: <laughs> and let's say no. <laughs> okay. That might make it too easy. That could, so let's that say could make no. a difference. <laughs> that could make a difference for sure. Let's say the second car is a 1966 Griffith uh, TVR 400. Okay. With, with the little 289. I yep. thought it, I always thought it was a hypo 289, but I researched it. It doesn't seem like it's a hypo. No. So And then the third car, 1959 Abarth 750 record Monza GT.
1: Well, so ja- I would definitely keep the the, the flat-bottom Jag.
0: Okay. That's the keep. All right. Um, And, boy, that...
1: <sighs> I always liked the Fiat, and I was not a fan of the TVR, so I would say crush the TVR. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Even though it's okay. Ford-powered. <laughs> Even though it's Ford-powered. That's fair. All right. So we're going to cash in DA Barth. All right. Yeah, that little Griffith. I love the look of it. I love the fact it's a two eighty nine Ford engine. But I hear they get really squirrely because of that really short wheelbase.
1: Yeah, yeah, they 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 can be squirrely to drive. I've driven one of those, and they are fun. But I just I part of the styling I like. Part of it's like, oh, it almost looks like a kit car, and not not like a real car. But you know, to those that really know, it's you know, You're it's right, still right. a great car.
0: Now, why was the Jag such an easy keep for you? You big. You just love those cars. Or the I've value restored of the
1: Jag? a few E types, and I like those cars. And I particularly like the first series of them, when you know when they had the long, skinny, you know, right, the non bulbous covered headlights, and, and you know, just it's just a good look.
0: Yeah, it sure is. It's a beautiful, beautiful car. So, and a lot of people
1: say, well, why the flat bottom, not a series two, covered headlight series two? Well, you can actually see that floor pan drop down on the non flat. Flat pan cars.
0: Okay, so the profile I've view. Always,
1: I've always liked that profile view with that flat bottom, you know, where you can't see the floor dropping
0: down, so. Right. Well, you're, you're not short, so would you be comfortable in a flat bottom car? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, though. <laughs> well, cool. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business?
1: Um, Euroclassics with an Euroclassicswithanx.com. It's E-U-R-O-C-L-A-S-S-I-X. Um, we're on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Dale Oakes, O-A-K-E-S. Instagram also with uh, Mr. Euro Classics. So,
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, Dale.
1: All right. Well, thank you. It was nice chatting with you and hope to run into you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.